You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Ball Liberty Podcast. This is episode number 181 of East Central Indiana's favorite podcast. I'm Jeremiah Morrill. Today I am joined by co-host Dakota Davis, producer Zach Bertram. Who else we got, Dakota? Today's episode features the two candidates for District 6, your District 6 congressional office, uh, the two candidates that matter to us anyway. Those folks are Janine Lee Lake and Tom Ferkenhoff. Both of them have been on the show before because they are also past candidates. We're going to be talking to them about why they are running. We're also going to be talking about some of the biggest issues that are facing our nation today from uh, division inside of America, the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, healthcare in the United States, the economy, and of course, climate change. So make sure you stick around to the end to hear uh, all of these interesting topics. Really what we're here for is we're here to corner them both and get them to commit that if they do win the seat in Congress, <laughs> we're going to be the co-host for their congressional podcast. Mm. Hey, that's, yeah, that's I'm what, in for it. That's what we're doing. I'll, I'll commit to that. <laughs> I, I want to be I'm one in. of your 20 staffers. <laughs> I, told, I told somebody at work today, I said, if one of these two wins and I have to go be a staffer, I'm going to make... A third of the money I want to make, and I'm going to be twice as old as everybody else that's working there. It's right. Be, it's going to be horrible. Yeah, yeah. Dakota would fit Absolutely. in. I'm, I'm 37. I'd be the world's oldest congressional rookie staffer. I'll just hang out at your office here. <laughs> yeah, we can open up an office in Newcastle. That's you know, perfect. That'd be great. That, Have you guys had an office here uh, through the 6th District before? No, not in my memory. Uh, I know. Okay. Probably... Uh, <laughs> Probably back when Ralph Harvey was in Congress in the fifties. Oh gosh, we probably had a, yeah. a, a, a district office here, but uh, but it's been a while. Now, at least I can remember back to Macintosh, and nobody's had a Newcastle office. So wow. it is it is time. Uh, all right, this show is about our lives in rural Indiana. We're here to push your boundaries and make you think as individuals. Sometimes we'll provoke you, other times we'll make you laugh, but hopefully you'll always learn something new. We just recorded about fifteen minutes of Patreon, and I learned all kinds of stuff new, Dakota. That's right, you did. Patreon.com slash Boss Hog of Liberty. That's where you can go to support the show every month. That is the club of folks who get all kinds of bonus content. We talked about a gift that they are about to receive in the mail just for being Patreon members. Uh, those are also the folks that pay the bills around this place. It's uh, getting to be winter time, so they pay for the heat. They also keep this show from being uh, riddled with commercials. If you listen to, if you've ever listened to Ben Shapiro's podcast, it is horrific. I, he I, stops every 10 minutes and does a another he does a 10 minute ad read every 10 minutes of his actual show with and the guest so sitting annoying. there it was awkward it's I was I just watched one I didn't I didn't know it until yesterday I didn't either I listened to I listened to the the Daily Wire's like post debate show and it, it's got like six different hosts and they're all talking about the debate and then like every 15 minutes or so each one of the hosts would take a turn reading about stamps.com or some other <laughs> crap and i was like this is just it it was so cringy i was like i'm so glad that we don't do that on boss hog and all right reason- now it's time for zach bertram to tell us about manscaped zach <laughs> <laughs> 
and the it was reason, a weird time to bring up that we sold our sponsorship. Yeah. No. <laughs> and the biggest reason that we don't have to do that is because the people who are in the $50 or more a month club and those folks are Christy Avery, Jonathan Phillips, Anthony Meyer, and Mr. Chris Lamb. We also have our T-Chip stores, tchip.com slash BHO1, 2, 3, or 4. The first three are all T-shirts. The fourth is the Protect Yourself line, which is our masks. And then we also have a BHOL mug, and that is for your coffee mug. We got a cool picture of a longtime listener who bought the first mug that we ever released. Yes. Which was just a plain white coffee mug, and it had our very first logo on it. And then we also, he had it sitting right next to his brand new mug, which is color changing. Did he mention that? No, I didn't see that. I think one of them is color changing. I need to go over to Dayton and check his and mugs out. He And it has the brand new logo on it. It's nicer. And they are somehow the same price as they were back then. We need to get ourselves a couple people. of those mugs for this place and drink our drink should. our spirits out of the mugs, like we're uh, Regis and Kathy Lee or whatever. Who hosts that show now, Tom? You you don't you don't do much in the mornings. <laughs> Last <laughs> I knew it was Michael Strahan. Michael Strahan and oh, well, it was uh, Kathy it, Lee and the other guy that was on the um, Ryan Seacrest. Right? What? Kathy Ryan? Lee's back? No, I'm sorry. I said Kathy Lee. I meant. <laughs> Oh God, that shows After my she age. buried her husband, I guess she came back. <laughs> no, it's Ryan Seacrest and Kelly Ripa. Kelly Ripa. Is it Kelly Ripa? Yes. And oh. I, you, you got me off with Ryan that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. We'll get it together. Oh, one, uh, one other piece of housekeeping that we had before we get started with the two candidates is that, you know, this has been our candidate series. We've always tried to cover the most local races and the keeping with a the theme that we established last year. Uh, the very last episode that we did was the most high-profile race in the area. We did the, sta- uh, this the, the state senate uh, district, uh, la- whatever, the northern portion of Henry County, southern Delaware. Yeah. Uh, Who with, was that? With uh, Gaskell. Mike Gaskell, Dave Cravens, and uh, yeah. uh, Greg Nolan. Greg Nolan, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot Greg's name. Yes. Oh, well. Sorry, <laughs> oh, well. You're very flippant. <laughs> yeah, we did the only debate that they had. Yep, uh, and I don't know. This may be the only. We'll call it a debate. This might be the only one that uh, that that these two have uh, appeared at, and at least in person, some, un, at under least in the, person, yeah. under yeah. the TV lights. Some, uh, <laughs> and and we've got a chair for uh, Congressman Pence over there too, if he needs. If he, he, if he, if he comes in late, right now we call him Ghost water, Greg. So, <laughs> Ghost Greg, yeah. Uh, Ghostly Greg. Some Ghostly listeners Greg. may notice though that this year there have been no county council candidates that have come on our show. We had it planned. Yes, we I did. had I had them lined up for Tuesday night, and then and then there was an incident. All right, Zach, producer Zach was going to be hosting that show. It was going to be a great time. Um, there was going to be like six people sitting around this table, uh, nice. having a, a big in depth conversation about the issues that face the county financially. And then there was a cake. Right. So, I I I yeah. The the story that I have, I've not seen anything officially in writing, but put my reporter hat on talking, talking to folks. It sounds like a cake was served uh, and there were some people talking in an you know open when you have the story I got from uh, from the governor of New York is that as long as you're eating something more substantial than a chicken wing and I think a cake counts, you can't get covid or pass it around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they had they had this meeting uh, before the county council meeting. Uh, celebrating celebrating the jail there was a there was a hey we built a jail cake it was decorated like the jail or they they spent the money to build the jail or they committed to build the jail uh it turns out somebody in that meeting tested positive for covid everybody consumed the 
poison cake at that point. And now all of the county council has been instructed to quarantine. All of county until, government. For the pretty much all part. of county government is quarantining. Uh, I think it's we're lawless right now. Until guys. November 6th. Uh, until Friday of, after the election. So who's going to run the election? <laughs> <laughs> Like, wait a second. What are they doing yeah. over there? Oh, so, I think they have staff. Listen. Okay. I New think people they have are staff. coming in. Okay. I'm still planning on going election day. If there's nobody there, I'll... Just uh, put your ballot and slide I'll, it in underneath I'll the be, door. Yeah, I'll probably yeah. write a note or I'll slide in a... Uh, yeah, Here's, here was my I'll, I'll probably turn the live stream on and be like, hey, why aren't we having an election today? Typically, I was promised. It's postponed. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No. No, no you're going to cause an uproar. I know. I you're going to cause an uproar on us. Typically, the Republicans have a pretty snazzy party. With refreshments at the Primo restaurant here in Newcastle, which is a fine restaurant. My thought is there's going to be barely anybody there because they're all in quarantine on election <laughs> night. So it's going to be a great party to crash, be a fake Republican for the night, <laughs> go grab some refreshments. Well, the other side of this building, the Libertarian headquarters is hosting a party. As That's well. where we and can I, get our refreshments. And from I suppose I suppose the Democrats are probably <laughs> gathering somewhere as well or somehow socially distanced gathering. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, uh, that's why there was no uh, council episode. We tried, uh, but man, this is 2020 is the year where stuff happens. So we could have just had Steve Peckinpah in here by himself, I guess. Yeah, I, 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 I felt bad. I really felt bad canceling on those that weren't in, you know, weren't in the quarantine deal. But hey, here we are. We're uh, we're we're able to make the it's congressional Thursday work. and we've hit the ground running. That's right. All right. So on my right. Candidate Janine Lee Lake, our friend. You were here in 2018. I was. Well, uh, for round one. And I don't think you've <laughs> stopped running for Congress since then. No, I have not. It feels like it. I, I wanted to take a little break. And then, you know what? If you're going to do this game, you, there's really no time to break. I mean, maybe save for just a few months. Now, you did the big, you got the big attention grabbing deal last time with, uh, with David Letterman hosting the big fundraiser. Yes. Yes. Uh, I saw he was in town with Peyton Manning. So did Peyton Manning and David Letterman host a fundraiser for you last week? Is that what happened? <laughs> well, you know, I was trying to get him to go ahead and come out to my house, but actually I was gone the day that we're, they were there. Oh, and no. so I was really upset, but it, we, we had some plans that we couldn't change. And, uh, so I did know that they were around and there was nothing that we could do, but, uh, um, you know, they reached out, uh, his campaign had reached out to us earlier and I think they donated uh, to us again. So they're very kind. And, and Dave, uh, he's just, I mean, it still kind of boggles my mind when I look back at that period and think just uh, how coincidental it was that I ran into him at that coffee shop. And, and then, you know, he told me, he was like, if you win the primary, I'll come back and, uh, you know, and then do the house party for you. And I was like, but Willie, you know, like, I don't know. But yeah, he made good on that. And uh, since then, um, he's been a friend of our campaign. And so, yeah, that was 2018. And I don't think he's doing a, a he certainly, had, as far as I knew, he was uh, one of the ones in um, in Hollywood that was taking the COVID pretty seriously. He's 70. So, yeah. you know, he's kind of in the, kind of I guess the high, the high, high rate, high risk category, but couldn't be more kind. But yeah, it's great to be here. You guys are always, uh, I said on my page, smart and witty. <laughs> we try. We try. <laughs> Tom, I, I, you've got Conan O'Brien doing a big fundraiser for you on Saturday night, right? Um, I'm sure he'll show up. For <laughs> <laughs> Tom, tell us about yourself. You, this is this is round two for you. It, it is round two for me. You're, and, you're sporting yeah. the Don Rainwater for Governor shirt, by the I way. I see that. Yes, yes, I am. I'm, I'm looking forward to the Rainwater no, is administration. That, is that because are you going to be a part any- of that? Yeah. Well, not if he's in Congress. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> you can only have so many jobs. 
<laughs> right. Is that, are you wearing this because you don't have any more Furkenhoff shirts? They've just been too They're popular. Been in, in, in too high a demand. I gave the yeah. one off my back away. and Yeah, I understand. I totally get it. So, Tom, uh, we'll start with this question with you first. Why, why did you decide to put your hat in the ring a second time? Because I still had the signs. Because <laughs> government didn't get any smaller, bit. Dakota. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> uh, exactly. Government did not get any smaller. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed the experience the first time. The first time I felt called to run. And, you know, that calling hasn't gone away. And, thought, you know, we'll continue to build the name recognition and, and continue to preach the gospel of smaller government and the libertarian philosophy. If I can get that platform to be able to speak to thousands of people. And it's a guaranteed invitation on the Boss Hogger Liberty, man. I mean, there come on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good place to go. All right. And you are, by trade, you're uh, you're the accountant to the stars. I'm, I'm a certified <laughs> public accountant. Big businesses nobody's yeah. ever heard of, but they're they're very important to yeah. the local so, economy. So, some of those quarantined Henry County officials are my clients. <laughs> <laughs> Janine, what uh, you you've got a history in media? I know that. Yes. I've been- uh, so what's uh, what's what's been keeping you busy the last couple of years? What's the day job? What's the background? Well, I've I've been a newspaper reporter for the last thirty years. Um, I own my own business uh, now called the Good News. We took over the Muncie Times coverage area um, in two thousand eight, and so we've done that since uh, the last twelve years. But then I'm also been uh, a mother of four. And, you know, a community leader, I have a group called the Feed My Sheep Muncie Incorporated, which feeds about 2,000 people every Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so uh, working part-time, uh, becoming a, uh, and being a community leader has kind of kept me busy uh, when I'm not running for office. Um, you asked why I decided to run again. And, you know, quite honestly, I, I was hoping maybe that uh, the current congressman would, you know, have some... Uh, give me reasons not to run, but he, beginning with the fact that he refused to, uh, to, uh, to vote, uh, in, in support of the violence against women act in early of 2019, almost as soon as he got in, he was one of just a handful of, uh, of naysayers against that, that protects, uh, women and domestic violence victims and sexual assault victims. Did that pass into law? Uh, yes, it did so without it, him. It passed so, yeah. yeah. It's, it was Senator Orrin Hatch and, um, and Joe Biden's uh, original uh, legislation and a good piece of legislation. It closed the boyfriend loophole that uh, was, was kind of a, a, a bad thing that was in the original one. And uh, um, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of reasons then why I felt uh, compelled to run. And most of all, um, I just feel like, you know, inside the word representative, and I mentioned that last time is the word present. Um, he has refused to hold any town halls. He's refused to, you know, be a part of any debates. Um, with well, there Tom has been a myself. pandemic. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> but he was social distancing long before the virus hit. In, <laughs> That's good. Hit Indiana. He was he was way into the into the closet with regards like that to that. He, he was ahead of his time. <laughs> <laughs> he really was. So yeah, he he's been he's. You been need to it. clip that and make that a radio. <laughs> <laughs> but he was social distancing long before COVID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's true. So, yeah, I mean, I gave him the benefit of the doubt. I didn't necessarily like him with too many of his policies. And uh, he said there's no daylight between himself and um, his brother, Mike Pence, a vice president, as well as there's, uh, there's a little Donald bit of daylight because I heard Is that it? he had to use a fictitious address. He won't let him live with him. <laughs> so he had yeah. to say he still lives at the governor's mansion. Here's Paul Lockton wrote gosh. a thing today that said. <laughs> 
I think it might not be legal. There's a big it's difference. Not. I think there's a big difference between Vice President Pence and his brother Greg Pence, and that is that at least you know what Greg Pence believes. Yeah, that's true. Mike Pence. Mike, Mike, Mike. Or, yeah, Mike I know Pence. what you mean. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. At least you know him. Right. You you you've seen his uh, actual ideas. Uh, you really have no idea what Greg thinks about anything. No. He just kind of is one of those. He's one of those Congress members that everybody complains about because they just follow whatever the party thinks. A hundred percent. So it's 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 just kind of annoying. Well, because even if you know with Mike, um, you know we had things that I disagreed with him on, but actually in terms of being a representative, he was here all the time. He did great constituent service. He used to have whole town, town halls right down the road here at the Newcastle Library. Right. You could. I was on a first name basis with the uh, three Congress people that have but come before Greg Pence. Really, David McIntosh, uh, Luke start. Messer, and and Mike Pence. Okay. All three of them, I could get a hold of them, talk to them, visited them in their offices. Not so much with this one. No, and I've tried. I went to his office, and he was. Turns out he was Muncie that day. Oh, <laughs> conveniently. Was, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's been playing tag. Has he? He hasn't <laughs> been here at the Boss Hog of Liberty show. Not not yet. But we man, we're trying. We're still trying. All right. So here's the uh, here's where I wanted to start off the the digging into the issues side. Uh, throughout the summer that we're now we're into the fall, Dakota and I have had this conversation about how it feels like we're reliving 1968 again oh and all of the unrest that's going on um, in our country. We're seeing you know I, I've traveled to New York State. I've traveled to a number of different places and it, it looks like Gary, Indiana does with boarded up windows. Yeah. My wife hasn't been to her office downtown Indianapolis since March. Um, we've got looting. We've got, you know, civil unrest with, with the, the George Floyd case and many others. COVID COVID that's in mask mandates and everything else. That's created this wild attitude. Um, what, what do you think Janine? Well, it, this, this is definitely a time, like a shaping time. <laughs> right. It was in 1968 was the year before I was born. So I, I, I don't want to date myself back a year, like a time, time machine kind of thing. But, um, I know the feeling that you're talking about and it does. I mean, it, it it's insane. Like it just feels like everything that, uh, could possibly go insane and crazy about 2020, uh, keeps, keeps happening. Um, with regards to, uh, to what you said about the rioting, I do have to say this, that in the 6th District, the 19 counties that we're part of, uh, almost 720,000 people, um, there actually have been zero arrests of rioting, of vandalism. We've had multiple, I mean, I would literally, I think I started stopped counting in about 42 uh, protests, marches, vigils that I was invited to um, that surrounded the Black Lives Matter events uh, that happened after George Floyd. And within this district, at least the sixth district, um, yeah, they will behave, um, which, you know, fares well for us. However, you know, my brother, um, his, he has friends that owned a jewelry shop down in uh, Indianapolis, like you said, with your wife and, uh, or down in that area. Um, and, um, yeah, they just, they set that place on fire and just, it was, it's really was so disheartening to see because then it takes away from the real issues of people that were of all different races and backgrounds and genders and sexual orientations that really came together to discuss the, the need for, um, you know, prison reform and, and, and just criminal justice reform. So yeah, it feels, it feels weird. Um, I had COVID back in March, um, early, late March, early April. I've had uh, family members that have had it. 
Um, I was pretty much fine. I kind of felt like I just had a sinus infection. Um, my sister was hospitalized twice. My brother got it. My dad, my dad has it right now. So it's, yeah, it's been the crazy year from, from hell <laughs> almost, but, um, you know, America's strong and I think that we're coming back. The economy looks good. Um, but we also have, uh, you know, some, so definitely some, uh, some major questions going into next week and Amy Coney Barrett, that was huge. So lots of news, right? Yeah. yeah, it's exciting. We got another woman on the Supreme Court, so it's like it? a one, it's like a one for one thing. It's, it's great. I want RGB back. <laughs> Tom, what do you, what's your take on the uh, the summer of twenty twenty? Um, is this is this nineteen sixty eight again? Yeah, the the summer of twenty twenty. I mean, I don't think it's really it's very different than nineteen sixty eight in that the you know I, th- I think nineteen sixty eight was really a grassroots swelling. Um, I, I feel like today there are forces that want to see the country divided. Right. I mean, there are powerful people who profit from the division. And I think that fuels a lot of what we see. Oh, we, we've seen that on. come out in uh, national intelligence reports with, uh, you know, Saudi Arabia, uh, the country of Russia, all working to sow division amongst Americans to try to uh, just make us doubt the power of our electorate it's uh and you know it's not in any it's not in the direction of any particular candidate or party they don't really right. care who's in office they just want you to hate your neighbor right exactly and and you know and some of that's deserved i mean nobody interferes more in foreign elections than the u.s has <laughs> in the last 20 years right yeah I mean, saudi you know, arabia how upset like, people uh, are over you know yeah. foreign interference in our russians yet we are fine with Hack the CIA hacking Angela Merkel's cell phone and, you know, interfering, you know, the last time Gorbachev ran or not Gorbachev, um, Putin. Putin ran that, you know, the state department tried to interfere on behalf of his opponent. And so, yeah, we're not sure. We shouldn't be surprised if Russia wants to. What's, what's good for the uh, goose is good for the gander essentially. Yeah. So as America has been the most divided Tom that I've ever seen it, I mean, obviously, we had a civil war, so we're probably not as divided as we were then, but it's still very significant. Um, why do you think that we are so divided right now, and how do you think the fe- what hand do you think the federal government has in uniting Americans again? Yeah, and and you know, like I say, I I I think the media profits from making the situation worse and making it seem. Like it's worse. When you talk to everyday people, I mean, you know, people get along. Um, you know, people want to see people come together. People want to see improvements in a lot of areas. Um, as far as you know, I mean, what the federal government can do, um, criminal justice reform, uh, stop the war on drugs. I mean, when you talk about um, the disparity in the number of bad incidents between black Americans and the police force, I mean, how much of the violence in our inner cities relates to the drug wars and the gang wars and, and that, and, and who, you know, when we see the like opioid and heroin epidemic, who can't get a hold of drugs now that wants them? Like what good are we doing by throwing people in jail for drug use and even dealing? I mean, at what point do we say, you know, we're better off to put our money toward prevention, education, rehabilitation, and stop making it profitable to run this black market and, I say the violence that people are living under in these cities for the people of Indiana, something that that government that Congress can do very quickly. 
Tuesday night in the governor's debate, you heard Governor Holcomb say, I won't, this is the excuse he's using, but you can call him on it if Congress makes this change. Cannabis is still illegal federally, right? 34 states, 33 states have ignored that and they're fine with it for for medical and more than 10 states are okay for recreational uh, or for just no scheduling at all. If Congress were to go in and remove that, just like they did with hemp two years ago so that our farmers can grow hemp down in our community, yeah. If they if they pull that back, then you've taken that excuse away from from the Governor Holcombs of the world that say, well, the federal government says I can't. Well, no, now now they say it's okay, so now you got to actually lead. Yeah, and it's like with thirty four states, that should be a no brainer to get marijuana off the schedule A. Absolutely. What do Absolutely. You, what do you think about it, Janine? Why do you think we're so divided, and what do you think that the federal government could do to help unite Americans? Well, I don't think I'm a libertarian when it comes to that. I don't think that's the it's the it's the federal gov- government's role uh, to necessarily um, be responsible for that. I think it's our it, that starts in the home because I don't I don't care what the president said. I have a friend. Her name she's a banker, uh, vice president of uh, First Merchants. Her name is Erin Sylvester. And I remember after this, uh, after we had our current president uh, was elected in 2016, uh, her little, she's a Caucasian woman. She has a child and uh, she has a best friend. Little girl has best friend. And uh, the little girl was kind of questioning her. And she's like, we know what's going to happen right now, you know, or do we have to be worried? And my, my, my friend's worried. And she, Aaron said, I just told her, she's like, you know what? Our family is our family. We we don't follow anybody. We raise our children to think that, uh, you know, everyone's equal. Uh, everyone should have equal protection under the law and that we know how to treat people here. And so I do believe that it starts in the family. Um, however, I also think that you can gaslight. You can have people that are have those loud voices and those loud pra- platforms. I think when you have a leader that refuses to denounce white supremacy, when he has given the chance on, on a worldwide stage in the middle of a debate, uh, when they say things like uh, to the Proud Boys to stand down and stand by, that is a clarion call for, I believe, the inciting of violence. Um, and so I think uh, those kind of things can be, they can fan, fan the flames. Um, but I, I just, you know, I, one of the things that I love about running and have loved in 2018 and 2020 is I agree with Tom in terms of uh, where we're at and in, even in Indiana, which I say even in Indiana, but honestly, there, there are definitely my feeling as an African-American, a female and the only black woman running as a federal candidate here. um, I don't see a lot of racism in terms of my everyday encounters with people. And that's not to say that I don't believe in systemic racism because I know that it's, it's there. I know it is there in terms of our prison, prison, which is really just modern day slavery. Um, it's taken some of my white female friends to really uh, give me information about, you know, uh, the privatizing of prisons and the fact that those prisons are going to be filled up mainly with, with black people and brown people. The incarceration um, rates for a, a guy that looks like me versus the guy that doesn't look like me yes. are about four to one for the same crime. Absolutely. And, you know, and so. And it's not because I'm a better guy or have a better lawyer. So you kind of, right. you kind of think um, it, the federal government's job is to foster a place for families to grow together and have positive working environments to raise their children in. Right. And diverse environments. And it should be across the board. Right. But in terms of actually how we're teaching our children 
and what we're telling our children in terms of how to be behave and, and, and treat one another, you know, that's, that starts at home. And so, you know, I implore everyone that's, that, you know, that's a Hoosier, that's a resident of the sixth district that I, that's under the sound of this voice, you know, look and take stock of what you're doing and you're in your, in your own circles. What does that mean? You know, are you welcoming? Are you affirming? Um, are you, are you glass sliding? Are you repeating those things? Um, because at the end of the day, our problems here are not necessarily problems that other places have. Um, Newcastle, I don't know what Newcastle's, you know, situation is with you guys as police. You know, do you have police brutality issues or do you have people that are more sensitive to those issues? And I think that we can, we can demand it in our own communities. I think Newcastle had an incident last year that got dealt with very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they were very open and transparent and I think there was an issue down by Baker mm-hmm. Park and yeah. the, they had an internal investigation and every bit of sunshine that you wanted to see on the issue came out. I okay. think the Newcastle Police Department did a really good job. It was very job. transparent. And see, that's the great thing about having a smaller community. This is a city of 20,000 people, a county of 50,000 people. Uh, it's, I mean, everybody knows multiple police officers here. Okay. And I mean, whenever that's the case, whenever you have a small, tight-knit community and they, they know that they're going to see the same people day after day, year after year, it's, it's not as – it fosters an environment to where it's not so disconnected, okay. I guess. It's not there's – not, there's no enemy in Newcastle. I think in a lot of um, cities, part of the problem – we've talked about it on the show multiple times – that they're – the government has done such a horrible job in inner cities in the past and creating huge issues themselves. And then they feel like the only uh, solution to that is just more police. But it's not more police. Right. It's proper training for the police that you have, creating community outreach events, making the police effective. Yes. And Giving the, p- the police the right tools like body cams. Right. Everybody needs body cam. Ending qualified immunity. It's, you know, those are. No, knock warrants. Needs to, need, those need to go. These are all. Brianna Taylor should be alive. Let me just throw that in. I'm, I'm really excited. Some, so many of the issues that you guys are talking about are the things that folks in my party, the Libertarian Party, have talked about for 10 or 15 years. Yeah. And I love it when our good ideas get picked up by the folks on, the, on, on team, team, Del, team Donkey and Team Elephant because then they become law. If, our, if my guy can't win, at least my ideas start to become law. You're and I love, I love that, uh, that, that you're running on some of them. So Janine, and they always act like it's the first time. They've ever <laughs> you're I like, had hey! a great idea. <laughs> a decade ago. Look over here. Somebody's been reading Reason Magazine or something. I don't know what's going on. So Janine, you said that it looked like the economy was bouncing back mm-hmm. and it was before the pandemic hit the COVID-19 pandemic, the economy was doing great. It was sailing we were, in we terms were, of Wall Street, right? Right. I mean, but you know, that also my 401k as a blue collar worker with no college degree, I still saw a huge amount of money go towards my retirement because the economy was doing well. Mm-hmm. And that is a very big deal for Americans everywhere. However, citizens all over America's Rust Belt, Belt, especially like the Newcastle community, they're finding it very difficult to find jobs that previously their parents had held that were able to support a family on a single income. We, it seems like that doesn't happen anymore. Um, do you think that the federal government has a hand in 
creating high paying jobs for blue collar America, revitalizing um, manufacturing towns, or is this kind of a situation to where technology might be making these jobs obsolete in the future anyway, and we need to invest in like education and things along those lines? Very much so. I mean, and yes, you know, the economy was doing, you know, steadily along before before COVID-19. But I've always wondered, like, how how is it that that Wall Street can just be kicking along? And then at the same time, too, because I own uh, because I chair the group called Feed My Sheep and uh, we work with a group called Second Harvest Food Bank. There's back in January, there were still pretty long lines of like four or five, six hundred lines, cars, uh, cars of people. Um, that were waiting for food. And so these jobs, I believe um, these people, uh, I think they're, they're still the result of you know, lower um, minimum wage type of uh, positions. Um, you know, we don't really offer, offer, I believe, enough opportunities for people to really be educated, to be able to, be able to receive the higher paying jobs. And um, I, I don't necessarily know that, I think that there's there's this chasm that still exists between Main Street Joe, Main Street, and Wall Street, uh, Roger, I don't know what to say, but uh, there's just this chasm that still exists uh, that, that doesn't quite uh, let let every, the everyday man buy into the idea that, yes, uh, you know, the stock market is, is sailing, but somehow there's still that disconnect, and uh, it's very real, and then obviously COVID hit, and you have, uh, you know, some people right now that, you know, between the fact that their kids are being quarantined every four four weeks or every four days, and sometimes it seems like they're getting back to work. But then these mothers are like, well, how am I supposed to, you know, take off another two weeks? And I mean, it's just it's just been crazy. This, is, this has been a year of just absolutely rolling with the punches. It's, it's constantly you changing. You have to. Tom, you, she talked about the lower wages you see in, in area, you know, areas like this one in Newcastle, Muncie, mm-hmm. uh, even Richmond. But I, I imagine some of your clients are business owners that are also struggling to right. get people to take the jobs that they have available, right? Oh, that, that's the number one issue I have from, with my clients right now. They cannot find people to take jobs. I mean, you know, starting pays from 12 to $18 an hour with benefits and get zero applicants. 18 bucks an hour and you can't get, you can't find workers. Can't find, you know, you get three people apply and none of them show up for an interview for their scheduled interview. Um, the, I mean, I saw McDonald's was hiring line cooks part time for $11 an hour in Newcastle. Which so seemed really high to me. I, I don't know if it is. I just, I was like, Oh wow. I mean, we're seeing I mean, 10, $11 an hour for, I mean, I saw Best Buy advertising $15 an hour starting out in Richmond right now trying to find employees. So do you think folks are staying on the sideline because of the additional unemployment they were getting from the from the CARES Act? I, I think that's a huge part of it. I mean, you know, Indiana had 10% unemployment until that first bonus round ran out and it dropped to 7. <laughs> I mean, 30% yeah. of the people who were unemployed went and took jobs because they, were no, they thought because they were not going to get it. And then, yeah. you know, they re- brought it back at $400, but... Now they couldn't quit their job because I guess, they wouldn't get it again. But yeah, everybody else still stayed on the sidelines because I guess still my making enough my to get biggest by. point in the question was not about uh, how the job market is doing specifically. It's it's more about how are we going to get the high paying jobs back right. because yeah. it was and, it used to be the standard where you had one parent that went to work mm-hmm. and provided a living and a decent living. And one parent could always stay home with their children. And it, 
I would like to see a return to that as a societal norm. My question is, like, how do we get there? Do you I just mean, kind of have to encourage that environment? Well, I mean, one, get the federal government out of schools. I think a lot of kids get discouraged because, okay, they have to study for this test that's going to determine their future, but has not, but nothing they learn on that te- for that test is going to help them in their future. Uh, you know, the teachers can't prepare kids for what the real-life jobs are in this town because they've got to teach them what they need to know for that test. That, I mean, let the yeah, teachers yeah. use their skills to prepare kids. Um, you know, like Jay County Vocational School. You know, they don't teach kids to weld as much anymore as to repair the welding robots. Uh, mm. Skills that will be very high paying and very much in demand on that. And, you know, the, the schools need to be able to look at, okay, what are the jobs in this area? And then second of all, continue the push to cut back on the unnecessary regulation. Yeah, it needs, it, I, mean, I, I totally you know, agree. Up, up and, until 2017, you know, if your company wanted to do business with the federal government, you had to go through annual certification that you were Y2K compliant, <laughs> that your computers weren't going to crash and all your systems wouldn't crash when the year 2000 hit 16 years ago. <laughs> and and you, it's like, why did the previous administrations not get rid of that? Um, and that's support, not an act of Congress. That's that's just simply regulators, right? Exactly. That's, yeah. that's, that's right. the bureaucracy, bureaucracy yeah. of... Of, right. a, of an agency. So do you support a higher minimum wage on the federal level? I mean, there's been the fight for 15 and things. We're still at, at $7.25, which is the federal minimum wage uh, right now. Indiana is not any higher than that either. I, I think people do better when there's a, a minimum wage set by the market and not by the government. I mean, it's like you said, the minimum wage right now in small towns doesn't really is, even matter. It's, it's 10 $11 an hour. I mean, that's you're not going to get employees if you're paying less than that, and you won't you won't get a high school kid if you're paying less than that. You're yeah. saying if um, what's what fifteen dollars on that? You've essentially gotten to the point where the minimum wage has become antiquated in this world because the actual wage is almost double what the minimum wage is. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then why won't and, they go ahead and just well, pass it? <laughs> but if, but, if people, but if people want to get ahead, that's what that has to be the mindset. I mean, to just say okay, we're going to artificially give everybody a, a raise to twelve, fifteen dollars an hour. In one, you've brought in inflation that's going to hurt all the people who live out there on fixed incomes. I mean, the older people who just have their IRAs that are, you know, they've got annuity paying five hundred dollars a month. Well, that's never going to go up. The purchasing life, power that's, that's going to the decrease. purchasing power that's going to decrease. <clears throat> I mean, you know, there's a lot of those people that that you're hurting when you just artificially create inflation. And you know, we saw it last time when minimum wage increased. You know, you have shift leaders making nine dollars an hour. The new workers making four fifty an hour. Well, they bump minimum wage quickly up to seven and a quarter. You know, those shift leaders are now making nine fifty, not much more. There's than There's not much wage. of a spread any longer. There's not much of a spread, and you know, they've lost their incentive to better themselves and to work toward that higher job. And it just, but I, I think in the it's last few to, years, we've as, as wages have increased by the market, we started to see people to be able to improve themselves by improving their job skills right. and, and I, positions. I, I think that that. Every time that we raise the minimum wage, it kind of get they kind of wait until it becomes a moot point, it, to where they raise it to seven twenty five. Well, there's already very little jobs that were uh, paying the minimum wage at the time. So, like you get 
or what was it, 450 or something like that before they raised it when to I, 725? When I was a boy, uh, I remember <laughs> minimum wage was around uh, 515 an hour, and I think it moved to the 750. And I think in 20 years of working, Five, it's moved once. 515. 515. So, yeah. The, in, in around 19, or around 2000, somewhere in that range. My point is around the year 2000. That there weren't a lot of jobs that were paying 515 an hour. I was making 750, so I was killing it for my first job. <laughs> so they kind of more than what it They kind of always wait until the wages get to the point where they want to raise it and there's barely anybody making minimum wage anyway and then they go ahead and decide to raise it. Which is probably what's going to happen again. Which I mean honestly is probably the smart way to do it. The challenge you wouldn't have that. The challenge that critics inflation. bring up Janine is often is that that high school person with no skills, if we take the wage and we say we got to pay you 15 bucks an hour versus $8 an hour now right. that would pay you starting out. We can't afford to have you not know anything. So you have to right. bring skills. There, there's been, I understand that I mean, there's been talk about valid. age differentiating minimum wages, which would solve that problem. Absolutely. You would have a different set. Well, of then wages you don't have equal protection under the law. I think that's unconstitutional Dakota. Well, that's the challenge you're going to have. Right. That's for well, Amy Comey Barrett to decide. That's yeah. not me. What that's do you guys Supreme think Court. of her, by the way? Just, uh, I don't know enough, I, to be honest Do you, you think it's kind of weird that, you know, in, in Indiana, I'm just going to throw this out there really fast, there's a woman by the name of Myra C. Uh, Selby. Myra Selby, the Myra Supreme Selby. Court Justice. You heard about that, that thing. Because uh, in uh, 2016, when um, Barack Obama had nominated her to the Seventh Appellate Court, and uh, Mitch McConnell blocked that nomination, and the next year Amy Coney Barrett got in, and then three years later, uh, she's Supreme Court Justice. She's Supreme Court Justice. Here's here's where I'm at with <laughs> the federal the federal court system mess. <laughs> they were very wrong to not give Merrick Garland a hearing. Absolutely. four years ago when he was nominated. They should have had the stones to have hearings in the Senate and to vote yes or no. And they should, if it got out of the justice, the judicial committee, it should have gone to the floor of the Senate and the senator should have voted yes or no. Mm -hmm. If they didn't consent and didn't think Merrick Garland was good, or if they needed to go on the record and say, you know what, we're voting no and he's done, then that's a Robert Bork situation and you're going to get a different justice after that. Right. But they should have done their jobs and brought him in. The president, no matter what day of the calendar is, the president should be able to nominate. I agree. So that was the 2016 answer. My answer in 2020 is still the same. <laughs> the timing is very difficult for, for the Democrats, and they're looking, if, if Trump wins, you're looking at a real problem for, for the Democrat minority because you've got two more justices that are of retirement age. We've talked about that on the show in the past, where Trump could get two more appointments in the next session, oh, maybe absolutely. three. Uh, so it's, it, it's a significant issue and that the judges could get younger and younger because this was his third one right this was the third in four years right. yeah it was a gorge he's had gorsuch he's kavanaugh. had uh kavanaugh, kavanaugh and now and barrett so i I, I don't have a problem with them doing the hearings this time mm -hmm. but man consistency is my number one that's my number one issue well let's, that's that in the president's that's for sure let's get back to the notes here Prima, oh, we, we were, okay. we, Sorry. I don't think Janine got to talk uh, about yeah, the I wanted to the wages. Talk to you about the minimum wage, Janine, and minimum wage, maximum wage, any anything with wages. This is yeah. your chance. I, well, I think it should be raised up. I mean, I think seven dollars and twenty five cents is because some people still are getting that. 
um, people tell me every day that they're... Is 40 all right? (laughs) $15, I think, is probably (laughs) where it should be. Didn't they just vote on that um, this... Just a few months ago, for yeah. a $10 increase, and I think Congressman Greg Pence voted against it. So the House, the Democrats control the House, so I'd their agenda co- continues to push through. Too. So they got to 15, uh, and they couldn't get a hearing in the Senate. Right. I would probably say yes to like a, a $5 increase right now, because I, I think that the majority of starting wages are at that point. You'd make already. a good congressman if you want to do stuff that doesn't matter anyway. You just want to rename post offices? Well, I want it to... You, what do you... I want it <laughs> to, if it's not going to make a difference, why waste my time? Well, the, uh, my reasoning this is... This is no precedent. I think that it doesn't... I think it protects workers if things start sliding backwards. Right. But you also do away with the artificial inflation of fast food jobs, people who are trying to go out to eat and... Uh, their food's not going to be artificially inflated. The prices aren't because it's already at that point anyway. So I, I think it's kind of a, a, a medium ground there. I, the medium ground is that the market work, man, you can, if you I mean, it's like, already working. If they're not, if they're not paying you enough, then you go somewhere else. There's Tom's got 14 customers trying to hire, call Tom and he'll tell you where, where you can go get yeah. a job. But the problem we have with that system is that, like I just said, you have to have two parents that are working full-time jobs in order to get by in today's economy. I want. Not if you can make. I don't. Do you make an eighteen bucks an hour or fifteen an hour? You'll be. That's what I mean. You'll be all right. Two fifteen dollars an hour. Uh, Two. I want that to be one thirty dollars. One of the yeah. That's the staggering thing to think about is not even figuring for inflation. That's what people were making here in manufacturing jobs (laughs) when I was a kid in nineteen eighty six. Yes, in like the eighties and nineties. You were making $30 an hour. And then with overtime and everything, I remember talking to a guy, and he's like, yep, I made $90 an hour on Easter. And he sat and waited for something to break. And he wasn't doing anything. (laughs) I know that was part of the problem. But don't even figure for inflation. And it was $30 an hour in the the 80s and the 90s. there, There has to be a middle ground there. That was too high, obviously. And we completely shut out all of our manufacturing jobs because it was... That the labor costs were incredibly expensive, but now we've gotten to the position where there's nothing made in America anymore. There's not a single piece of technology that gets made in this country. Try to find a cell phone that's made in America. Or television. They don't exist. Yeah. And we've we've kind of done that to ourselves. Um, and I mean, I think that this kind of leads into the next question. We'll start with you, Janine, with President Trump trying to put in trade tariffs on China, uh, the trade war that was going on, big deal. I know it's kind of been buried in the news because of COVID and everything recently, but I think it's really important because... We have a trade war over TikTok. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I just, I want to know what you think. You can't download an app. It's it's criminal. I want to know what you think about, about the tariffs. Well, I don't think they serve, they've served us well. I think that, uh, right, I obviously understand what President Trump was trying to do. Uh, unfortunately, his bullying tactics and uh, what he, I guess, thought was going to happen with China uh, and, and you know, have, inflicting tariff after tariff after tariff, um, it, did, it just didn't work. I mean, uh, suffer, uh, farmers suffered, manufacturers suffered, Cummins suffered, uh, up and down, you know, Indiana, certainly. Um, casket makers in Lynn, Indiana suffered um, because of steel. Astral, Astral yeah. Industries. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we've, we've seen what happened. And uh, I know that USMCA is supposed to bring in, uh, it started, what, July 1st, and that's supposed to 
you know, kind of correct some of the issues and the problems, but um, there's been such damage that so it's USMCA take- is the replacement for NAFTA, which is the United States, uh, Mexico, and Canada. Canada. Yes, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I believe we're going the right way. I hope we are. Uh, I don't think time is, you know, we haven't had that much time to really see where we're going. Uh, but I don't think, I don't think this is the person and this is the administration to write the ship. Um, they just don't seem. I don't know. I just don't see things uh, progressing in the way. The art of the deal. Yeah. (laughs) Well, someone said the other day that nothing that Donald Trump has done has ended well. And um, I don't know. We've had some pretty good peace agreements that have come out in the Middle East that have uh, come from the Trump administration. Those are all worth the napkin they're written on, man. I can't tell you how many times Bill Clinton solved peace in the Middle East. Zach, do you have a count over there on how many times this has happened? No, but I, th- I mean, I can recall being a kid and seeing the same First time in my lifetime, I, I mean, we should say. Right. Oh, Bill Clinton did it like we'll once see. every six months. I, it, they never, I, I, not to be the naysayer, but Trump, Trump is, they don't stick, right? I mean, I'm just, because well, we I'd keep getting involved. No, I had no hope for any Republican administration when it came to foreign affairs, and what is I've the foreign affairs point? I've, I've more been bombs on people that don't look like us. Right. Surprise! With everything that I've heard from military members, it sounds all of uh, everyone that I personally know that are members of the military have been pleased with the way that things have been going. Which I mean, that's not enough for me to give my unequivocal endorsement, but it's enough for me to go, hmm, maybe it's not as bad as what I feared it would be. You know. So, I mean, I guess that's one positive, but, you know, Hmm. you take that in strides. There's also coming from people who have vested interests. Tom buzzed in over there. Sorry, Tom. We're going to get to you on on (laughs) trade tariffs. The biggest positive I've seen from this administration has been reducing totally outdated business regulations. I mean, that... That really goes with the last topic of, you know, that there's a lot of expenses some of my manufacturing clients have had for years that have done nothing for anybody that they no longer have. And that has allowed them. Yeah, to but how are wages. we protecting those businesses that used to provide the ridiculous regulation well, compliance? The, exactly, yeah, those, now those they're the people, shit those out the people that are out are the ones that were making money <laughs> off those regulations who were then contributing to congressional campaigns, believe it or not. Protecting, protecting um, yeah. their little, their little corner yeah. of it, right? Yeah, but the, I mean, you know, of course, China is one of our biggest trade partners. It's one of our biggest problems. And there comes a point where you say, should we be having free trade with a nation that's not a free nation? I mean, I think of, you know, mm-hmm. just, just in my yeah. little practice over the years, I've had three clients go out of business because Chinese companies jumped on their patents, illegally produced their products, and there's nothing they can do about it. Yeah. You, you do have a very um, real issue where they don't respect intellectual property. And, and, and I think, okay, if I'm one small CPA operating in Randolph County, Indiana, and I've had three clients, how much is this a problem in our country? Hmm. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's like I'm not a I'm not a fan of tariffs, but if you say, okay, we got to raise minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour, and then make these companies compete against the companies in China paying two bucks an hour, yeah, like um, like Foxconn, where they yeah, literally have nets you know. on the outside of the buildings to. <clears throat> stop people from jumping to their deaths because the yeah. conditions are so horrible. Yeah. The, and at, at what point do you just say, Hey, you know what? We're not going to trade with you until you stop, you know, crack down on this until you improve your working conditions. Yeah. What's and, that, what's that do to manufacturers who are American based and they say, well, I'm having all of my stuff sourced in China. So now you've potentially yeah. ripped them the other direction and now they've just lost their manufacturing right. space like, for their product. Exactly. Tough luck, bucko. The, Find a trading uh, partner inside of the America. Well, and, and the biggest thing, support you know, American jobs. 
I've seen it over my lifetime of how the U.S. has become a consumeristic society. I mean, you say people can't live on one paycheck anymore. Well, growing up, we had one car. We didn't have three cars like families do now. You know, we have one television. There wasn't a television in everybody's bedroom. You know, yeah, but have you seen how for, cheap TVs are now, Tom? Yeah. Chinese, that's an $89 TV over there. Jeremiah and his friends just but, go buy TVs, not because they need TVs. They'll find a place yeah. for the TV, but the TV's yeah. cheap. Yeah. I do think there's some merit yeah. to that, though. I mean, even in my in my family, sometimes I think there's excess. There's just excess. We yeah. could probably do a, yeah. you know, really, if we wanted to kind of cut some corners and glean some things, uh, we could come down probably to uh, one household. Uh, been, <laughs> I don't want to, yeah. <laughs> like everybody else, but I, I mean, yeah. I think it's doable. Yeah, I've been amazed watching my kids and their friends of how many of them have one earner in their household, and they make it work. We have, yeah, my, my wife quit her job whenever, or right before my son was born. And it was a decision that we came to together. We can make this work and it is worth sacrificing the income to have you stay at home because most, uh, psychological research indicates that if you have a parent that stays home with a child in their early development, then they fare better later in life. So that was the decision we came to together. And then it got me thinking, why can't, most Americans also make this decision for themselves. You know, I, I, could, I think I think more people in your generation are making that decision. You realize, and that can also be part of why my clients can't find workers because y'all are staying home with your kids now. <laughs> and instead of that's instead probably, of having, yeah, that's definitely yeah. happening. Instead of families having eight kids, we're having one or two yeah. or none. Right? That's yeah. also we are we are yeah. not very good at repopulating right now. No, no. we're not. That's a different get, issue. How would the federal it, government it mandate four children irresistible as well. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. My, my, my grandfather was much more of a sex symbol than I'll ever be. I, have, I don't know how – I know that so, – my grandmother had 13 kids, and I know it was because she couldn't keep her hands off. Uh, here's, I'm, I'm yeah, quite I, I was going to say, you, you are not as irresistible as Janine's father was. Hey, <laughs> trust me. So, yes. Tom, the pandemic has also exposed – the most vulnerable people that are in our society, um, those who are elderly, those uh, in New York, we saw that the highest uh, the highest indicator that someone would be hospitalized was just simply obesity as a factor. Um, it has also showed how unhealthy our society has become. So what do you think the federal government can do to help citizens make better decisions like uh, uh, farming subsidies we've talked about on this show? unfortunately encourage poor dietary habits in America. Um, and then also we're going to go into a taxpayer funded healthcare with this as well. I mean, for, for one thing, people need to stop looking to the government to solve every problem. Um, I mean, you know, looking, looking at the pandemic, I think our federal government's response to that is what we see in so many issues. It's like, okay, what can we do? Is it, I mean, what can the federal government really do except for throw money at things? money it doesn't have. And, you know, we spent, we threw trillions of dollars out to everyone instead of taking any targeted approach to really protect anybody. PPP loans. Good, good move. The greatest. <laughs> that uh, sums it up. About yeah. <laughs> it's difficult. It's yeah. a very, I, I, mean, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, quite frankly, I mean, there are some restaurant people and entertainment people that, that kept them in business. Yeah. Um, there's also a lot of, there's, and there's, you know, I've had, I have clients that, you know, took an immediate hit that got PPP loans, but then rebounded quickly. Was it they, Adam? They didn't really need the money. Adam Schiff. Um, who's not, a, not a, a, we're sending it back. Yeah. 
Adam Schiff, I think he's an investment uh, banker, or I don't think he's a banker. I think he's just one of those people that like sends out an email that tells you what stocks to buy, (laughs) you know, and he was able to get his business a PPP loan. And he had, uh, I think, 25 employees that he was just able to send and work from home. And his whole point was, I didn't need to do this. See how easy you made this. I, he's like, I'm a multi-billionaire and I was able to get this money for free. Uh, you look at what you've done pretty much. It was, I, I think that he was able to expose some of the flaws in that thinking. But then on the same side, there's a lot of local restaurants that if they hadn't gotten that money, they wouldn't be opening their doors back up. Right. And and hopefully if they pass another round of stuff, it's more targeted. I mean, yeah, you know, I understand. Okay. They felt like we have to get this out quickly. So we're just going to shoot out to everybody. Well, hopefully this any, hopefully anything further, the business would have to show that, Hey, I've been seriously impacted. And if we can't do something, we've got to close our doors and put people out of work. So if you're looking, if, yeah. if, if Tom Furkanoff's in Congress next year and they come around and they say, Hey, Tom, what can you live with? Can you live with another round of, of business loans? Can you live with another 1200 bucks an individual, 2400 a couple? What's the kind of thing that might be acceptable to Congressman Furkanoff? I mean, I, I think first of all, we've got to get rid of the bonus unemployment. Um, and then for business loans, they need to show that they've been impacted and, and make this round truly loans. I mean, they've had their forgivable, you know, the, the grant that was called a loan. Um, and so, you know, it should come just like the EID, basically expand the EIDL program where they can get Help actual loans. EIDL. Economic impact something like disaster loan. Okay. Because, um, you know, and some businesses got those and the PPP loans, but the EIDLs do have to be repaid other than there's an initial, there's an initial grant factor on them and most of them, but, but some program like that where they, you know, and, and in this round, okay, they've now had nine months of operations since the first, or I guess seven, well, by the time they hit in January, yeah, about you know, eight months, there'll, there'll be nine months of operations since the shutdowns and different things that, okay, give us six months of financial statements to show what the mm-hmm. impact has been and that you've been impacted. And there is now time to underwrite these things and does, get it to those companies that really are hurting. Does Zach get another three grand? What'd you guys get? 1200 time 1200. And what's, what's a kid worth? Oh, in I, this think five, <laughs> I think there were 500. 500. So I think we got 3400 so $3, Does that get another 3400 or, or no? No. Look him in the eye. I mean, the, no, the, the, <laughs> I, I think the, the latest stats showed that like 40% of that money is still sitting in people's savings account. Mine's not. 40%. Ours isn't either. 40% is spent on things like people buying new TVs or paying off debts they already had. But it's like 20% actually went to people that were impacted by COVID. I'll be honest. Um, I we did a lot of local carry out at the time. Like yeah. I went around to the restaurants that were that had like carry out only. Primo. Um, I took my bike to the local bike shop, got it fixed up. So I tried. I, I was like, this is the point of this money is not for me to sit on it. And yeah. so I actually try to take mine and spend it as much locally as I could. So and spread it around. Back back to the health issue though. Your your opinion is is more of we're gonna get back to take you. take some personal responsibility and. Uh, just make healthier decisions for yourself. I mean, I, I I don't see where the government's ever taking control of something that should be somebody's personal responsibility, and it's made a big difference. Yeah, I mean, it's well, that's true. But my my ours we are, also have a horrible food pyramid that needs to be 
that is still encouraged in public schools. The moral uh, money went straight back to the federal government in student loan repayment. So uh, <laughs> we literally took their mo- took the money and sent it right back the next week and said, here, take, take it off the top. And if you actually think about the way money works, you actually just made that money disappear. Yeah, it's gone. Because when you pay back a debt, that money just kind of goes poof. Gone. Yeah. It's gone. But I was going to have to pay it back later. So, and now it's, it's done with no interest. So Janine, student loan interest has been gone all year for COVID. Mm-hmm. Zach got 3,400 bucks. I don't have any tax deductions running around. So I only got 2,400 in my house. <laughs> I don't know if Dakota got to claim Jackson or not, depending upon when the birthday was. You guys yeah. got the 24. He'll, he'll get an extra 500 bucks on his tax return next year. Will he? Yeah, yeah, yeah he'll yeah. get it on his tax return next year. Oh, man. Nice. You get it. <laughs> We've already talked about this on this show. Oh, I forget. I've drank since then. Because yeah, I looked it up because I was like, that's, I was like, that's a bummer. And then I looked it up and somebody's like, oh, yeah, because it's considered a tax credit. So he'll get it on his return. So the ne- this next go around, you'll get it. All right, Janine, pick from the menu. What are, what's, uh, what's Congresswoman Lake doing uh, for COVID relief in, in January of 21? Well, I think that we do. Obviously, we need another stimulus package. I don't see the one stimulus pandemic uh, working fairly well. Um, I, I think that people still have one, I mean, I, what did you say there's 20 or 20, 30% that's still supposedly in savings. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think those are, well, you need to raise taxes to get that out of there. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, that I, back. I know a lot of people that were just waiting on that money to really, um, you know, to get by. Um, also I think that I have a different uh, take on the PPP loans. Um, I have a lot of friends, uh, that, own, that have owned businesses that, that needed that money. And then they, you know, they were able to stay afloat. Uh, unfortunately I know, uh, that there were some black businesses, I think up to 35 to 50% of black businesses that have closed, um, during COVID it's like, it's astronomical. It's been a huge number. It's been a, it's been a huge number of people. In fact, I own, uh, we own the good news, a newspaper, uh, and we had our first issue that published, uh, yesterday since, since January, uh, we just had no advertisers. So everyone, <laughs> the people that we typically uh, had that were employment advertisers, um, you know, they just, they did, they didn't, they didn't feel the need to, to do that right then and some other places. So, uh, we're back on track. Um, I was actually, I got what, just a small amount of the PPP myself. And so for, for, uh, for my business. Um, so I was, you know, I was glad that it kind of buffered us a little bit to be able to stay afloat. Um, but I also know a couple of businesses that received, um, you know, up to what, $10,000 or so. So they, they, they took the money and then they opened and nobody came. So, you know, there's that. Um, so, you know, the business that they've had for 10, 15 years, they were trying to, uh, they were still trying to, you know, stay afloat and it just didn't happen. So what happens to those businesses if they don't get another shot at that? So I think they, they, uh, I believe, I hope the government takes another look at it. Congressman Greg Pence called it a disaster. So he came a little bit further than you did, Tom. And, and that's what I'm saying. It has to be targeted. Right. It has yeah. to be targeted to those people. Yeah. And, and just, you know, the fact they had to spend it on payroll. Well, if they're behind on their rent and this money's got to go to payroll, it doesn't help them stay open. Very right. much it, so. Nobody has a place to work if the building's gone, right? Yeah. Mm. All right, Dakota, where are you taking us next? Um, uh, taxpayer funded healthcare in America, Bernie Sanders was, it's, it's just been a big topic, uh, for quite some time and it's become even more popular now. Um, would you support like a Medicare for all system or would you support like a Biden care? Well, I think that I, I have, I like to listen to, to the Medicare for all argument. Uh, but I think since we're getting ready, it sounds like, uh, I mean, unless the polls are wrong again, (laughs) 
which they could be from 2016. But it looks like uh, Biden, you know, may become our next president. Obviously, he's not wanting to to go back and uh, dismantle the ACA. That's what he and Barack Obama built. So that's they, you know, they wanting to be part of the mend it, not end it program uh, to look at, you know, premiums, why they're so high and why access is so, you know, has been, you know, decreased. Um, so I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm open to, um, to discussions on Medicare for all. I think that Medicare, Medicare for all, one of the things that I think it would be good for is, uh, young, young people like my son. He just came off of our plan. He's just turned, uh, 28. So he's been off for a couple of years, but he doesn't have a lot of uh, health problems and a lot of health issues. Medicare for all might be able to be something for, you know, for people that age uh, that don't have tons of health issues and, uh, you know, crazy outrageous bills, but they still need coverage. Um, so then I'm open to that discussion. Um, but I think I'm, I'm more toward ACA has already been passed. Um, Obamacare, ACA, is already, you know, the law of the land. Let's figure out what it is. It's been gutted so much by this administration. Um, it's been, uh, you know, probably unrecognizable in some and in some instances, and um, on purpose to take healthcare away from 30 million Americans and what 400,000 Hoosiers. So, um, I think we should look at it. I think we should uh, see what the issues and the problems are, and 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 start there. So, Tom, you are not a supporter of universal health care. I know this from the last interview we did. Yeah, I I, I think the further we get away from free market, so the the more issues we're going to have. I guess you want health care like car insurance, where everybody just buys your own and goes and shops for it. Making sure that they compete across state lines, you know, opening up the market in health insurance. Right, because I mean, mean, nothing, nothing they're doing is bringing costs down. When you look at things like laser surgery, where you know it started out being five thousand dollars, now it's five hundred dollars. You know, it's because it went to the free market. LASIK, the laser L- eye LASIK, surgery, right? LASIK, yeah, yeah, LASIK surgeries. I don't want just some and random part of me operated on by a laser. But maybe, right. maybe I'll trust one of my yeah. eyes to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and, and so, you know, some of the things like transparent pricing and. Um, I mean, we have transparent pricing in Indiana, and it still costs thousands of dollars to. Have yeah. a, a child. Mm-hmm. It was a uh, I. I met my out of pocket max for the year of 2020. Um, so I mean, I don't know how big of a difference that made. What What should it cost though? How, in, in Dakota, I have world, no what, idea. What do you? How do you? I mean, it, it's not. It's not exactly insignificant. I think there is a significant cost to going to the hospital and delivering a kid and paying. Well, for, yeah. but I well, and we got a, is what level of care do you want? Like when we had kids, you know, we didn't have ultrasounds. Now if somebody has a kid, they have four different ultrasounds along right. the way, and at, that was you know, a good thing cost of a that we could uh, pick with transparent care. Was look at compare costs of how much on average it costs to have a child in each of these hospitals. We could also see what different things they offered like Henry County hospital. Whenever you first find out you're pregnant, you go and get an ultrasound. Uh, we chose Greenfield Hancock community health and it, because they were significantly cheaper and you only got one ultrasound at your 20 week appointment. So, I mean, that is one good thing that the state of Indiana has done. And I think that you're right in saying that it should be expanded on the national level. Uh, so okay, let's. So if you do that, then and you reach your out of pocket max, then at that point, aren't you no longer price conscious anyway? The hell with what it costs. I can go anywhere. 
You paid. Yeah. If it's going to cost you eight thousand dollars out of pocket, why, I've do, you, gone to the why do you why do you care if it's cheaper or not? Because you're you're done paying. That's in that true. point, you're at the single. You're basically at the single payer where you're not paying anything for it. So why you no longer care about what the cost was? If you met your deductible, you right? Yeah. yeah, you paid your out of pocket eight thousand or six thousand or whatever it 10, is. Ten thousand. Ten thousand. Gosh, ten thousand. There's there's a certain spicy. I have a yeah. good union job too. <laughs> <laughs> do you? Yeah, I do. <laughs> there's a certain freedom when you hit your deductible, which I do. Most years, yeah. I had a friend who I had a coworker who just had a baby. She posted a picture of her bill, and every time her Ow. son went to the nursery, which I'm not sure if how I know they're not telling you, hey, you want to send your child to the nursery, and they tell you how much it'll cost, but it cost forty five hundred dollars mm-hmm. every time. Yep. So and it, the they sent it to try and get sleep. And like, oh, you need sleep. Yeah, so and when- eighteen thousand dollars of her bill was her son going to the nursery it's, it's $4,500 every time that they go to the nursery and one other dirty thing that they do is that obviously they were just born so they're not on your insurance yet so they make sure to make that bill out to the child who is a non-insured patient in the hospital records so then all of a sudden you just get a bill for $4,500 it doesn't even and your insurance has no idea that you've been billed that money that's that's exactly what happened to us, and we had a fight with the hospital about it, and had to make sure that they realized your that baby he was, couldn't fight. For yeah, he couldn't Go fight ahead. for himself. He and Jackson was born with a, and the first piece of mail he got was a forty five hundred dollar bill from the hospital in Greenfield. Wow! Because he had the audacity to stay there after he was born for a night. Trying to read a <laughs> trying, nerve. To, trying to read one of those bills. From a hospital. Is, yeah, and that's is the thing. Insane. Everyone always says, oh, make sure you ask for the itemized bill so that you can see, you know, you can see what charges you're made. So I, I, so I have, did. We happen to have in the audience a, a medical billing expert that's messaging me the costs. And she says that right now a doctor's fee is normally around 2300 bucks for, for the uh, for the delivery the, for the deal and about 3000 for the hospital itself. Uh, I have it. Then you add so in that's those are Arizona costs, not Indiana. You add costs. in being induced. My wife had to be induced well, that into was a labor, and then um, you add in. <laughs> obviously, my wife. My wife had the epidural as well, so you have to count the anesthesiologist. If you have a problem with the epidural, then the anesthesiologist has to be called back in, and they have a minimum time requirement to just shove a needle into the IV bag. You know, it's and then there's like MSRP pricing, and then there's like the actual price. They literally they'll write they'll say wow. this is what we want to charge you. It's amazing and, like, oh, and we'll stupidly write, complicated. And we'll like, we'll write this off. And on my first son when he was born, they wrote off twenty six thousand dollars, just saying, and eh, we can afford to not charge you this. <laughs> and my my, my two <laughs> then kids, why charge my, you? My two kids were born three years apart, same hospital, same number of days. Only difference: one was induced, one was uh, she went into labor naturally. Everything else was exactly the same. Even two in a Tuesday out of a Saturday, first child was fifty six thousand dollars, and the second child was one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. Three years apart. Just the difference of being induced. Uh, I don't even think it was just three years. Hmm. So, Tom, are, is this is the you're, you're recommending shopping basically ahead of time and figuring out what the costs are and, and negotiating it, or how does this? I mean that. Well, that, that, that's one big thing. And, and I think to say, regardless of what the plan is, whether it's private health insurance, Medicare for all, Affordable Care Act, people still have to take some personal responsibility for their health care and for their cost. And, you know, if, if we take the standpoint of, Hey, somebody else is going to pay for this, costs are just going to keep going up. Mm. 
it's a it's a difficult, very nuanced situation that we find ourselves in with healthcare. All right, back to you, Janine. Um, you know, we'll just go straight to the point here. Um, the Green New Deal. We've got uh, the squad in Congress. <laughs> Are you going to be teaming up with the with the squad and and saying uh, Green New Deal all the way? Uh, well, you got your white dress picked out. Is that what you got? There's, a, there's, a, there are colors, aren't there? <laughs> I got like, my white dress and my red lipstick. <laughs> no, I, uh, I think there's great. There's some really great things in the Green New Deal. I understand the fact that it was, it's a ten year plan, I believe. Uh, well, and then going on to a hundred year plan. Um, I believe in science. I believe in climate change. I believe that um, you know that. Uh, Land, air, and sea are important. That regulations are important. That building, um, you know, whatever we build now needs to be sensitive to uh, the environment and what's good for, uh, you know, our future children and putting out less pollution. I don't know enough about the Green Deal to say that I would sign on um, in in totality. Uh, But I know that there's the heart of it is that we have to think about what is going to be best for our children. Uh, one of the things in Muncie, there was a, a big uh, conglomerate that tried to come in and they were going to put out like, like record numbers of uh, pollution in terms of magnesium and some other harmful things into the community. And uh, it was going to bring some jobs, but the uh, residents of Muncie stood up against, I think it was called Waltz. Uh, it's been sometimes now, some time back now, and I think they're trying to move somewhere else. Waltz Kiln. They've uh, they they went from Muncie. They looked at Rushville, and now they're up in. Uh, I want to say they're up in Cass County. Are right they? Now, and they're they're protesting up there. Yeah. But that project has moved around. They're under their <laughs> at least their third location in Indiana. I know they've got a functioning operational site down in Alabama that the that uh, that is going, and they're trying to duplicate it in Indiana. Right. And then who who wants that for their for them and their children? I mean, we didn't. And so what? "Quote unquote lucky community is going to get them." Um, so yeah, I, I think that um, I, I'm kind of offended sometimes when we think about the idea that um, that that there are people that are science deniers, and that goes from everything from where uh, you know climate to climate change to the fact that uh, you know my th- my thought has always been like you can debate the merits of climate science mm-hmm. and the predictions that they make because their predictions don't have a very good track record of, you know, when the ice caps are going to be totally melted. It's it's been going on for a long time. But where you you have no basis for debate is the fact that uh we just, you know, humans have a tendency to just trash the things around them. And right. if you want to have your children and your children's children raised in healthy, clean environments like has been happening for the past 50 years or so, especially then, you know, maybe it would be a good idea to crack down on people who would do the environment harm. So, I mean, I I think that that, that would be a good way to, you know, keep the, keep the debate from being about, you know, the, uh, the scare tactics that come along a lot of times with talk of climate change and just going, Look, we want clean parks. We want clean trees. We want clean water. We want clean air. We don't want to go back to a time where you couldn't step outside in New York City because smog was so bad. Uh, but let's keep those things around, right? Yeah. 
Logan's yeah. Port. It's in Logan. The Logan's Port is the uh, is the new city. Yeah. So is that County? That'd be County. County. Okay. Yep. Yep. What do you What do you think, yeah. Tom? About I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we all, every person on this earth leaves some environmental footprint. I mean, we all have some impact on the environment, and you know, except we all need to be conscious of trying to keep that low. But it's just like when you're, you know, this project in Muncie is a good example. Um, you know, we want to push toward electric cars. Well, for electric cars, those take a lot of battery manufacturing. Battery manufacturing takes chemicals. It takes mining, um, you know, some of these things that go into the batteries. Well, nobody wants that in our community. What do we do? We push it off into third world countries. We end up with this the and, NIMBY scenario where... And so it's, it's like we pollute somebody else's pool so we can swim in a clean pool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, where's the balance in all that? And that's the, the challenge we've had, and we've covered it on, in, on this program for our entire existence. We've had asphalt plants that haven't been able to locate here. We've had wind farm projects that haven't located yeah. here. We've had ethanol plants that haven't located here. Zach, am I missing any? What else have we said no to lately? Oh, they're starting the war on solar. Solar, yes. That's the, that's the, that's the new third rail. And that's, mm-hmm. these are both, I guess, in the Green New Deal conversation. What's the federal government's role in... And we in, wonder why there's no good-paying jobs in Newcastle. In, <laughs> in, in, well, it was, honestly, it, listen, it was good been, enough in 1970 when Chrysler was here, and we got to have them back. Yeah. That's, um, that has been brought up a lot. How, how many jobs would... Uh, you know, massive massive protests on the uh, possible light industrial park going in on 300 and uh, yeah. uh, State Road 103 on the south side of town. Um, what... What's the, what's we the federal government's role? Land here, put a nuclear plant. <laughs> We're going to have to get, add another uh, lake. Westwood Reservoir is going to have mm. to be used for cooling. What <laughs> what happens uh, in Tom's view for federal policy? Or should should the Congress be involved with solar and with wind and making policy regarding them? Coal, nuclear. The the, the U.S. We, we've been reducing our carbon emis- emissions for thirty years now, and done a pretty yeah. substantial I, effort too and, it's I, and I think I mean, it, it's just like with with tax plans they want everybody going into congress to have their tax plan instead of saying hey at some point we've got it right let's just leave it alone for 10 years and i think that there's a lot of things that we just need to stay the course and keep you know keep doing what we're doing um, the, the problem is other countries aren't doing that mm-hmm. and a lot of that is based on there, the U.S. No, is demand for consumer goods that yeah. are being produced in that country, creating that pollution. Like, every what? every coal plant in the United States has got scrubbers in their cooling towers, and the only thing that we're releasing is small amounts of carbon dioxide and water vapor into the atmosphere. There's not a single scrubber in a cooling tower in China, India, any other place around the world manufacturing powerhouses. Who are consuming more energy than the United States is, so it's it, which, which it, makes their energy cost lower and makes their products cheaper. So we'll go to Walmart and buy it. Right, it becomes a, a very difficult situation. And one good thing that the government has done in this area is instead of punishing outright a lot of companies, which they have done a lot of punishing of companies that don't follow environmental regulations, but there's also been a lot of good incentivizing companies to follow the environmental regulations, which is something that we talked about with state Senator Mike Kreider, whenever he came on the show was incentivizing versus uh, penalties, penalties Carrot versus stick. So Janine, you've talked to some Henry County voters over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. wind and solar. Have they made, have you been hearing, hearing that from our folks? <laughs> they're not down for that. Yeah. Now Randolph County's in the district and they've, they're building wind farms right now. Right. I always wonder what the, what the difference is. Uh, but um, yeah, when, um, 
I'm not necessarily going to take sides on that. <laughs> well, and that's that's the conversation is is should the federal government be involved in uh-huh, that? Yeah, is that a lot of these wind farms are getting built because the federal government has said, "Hey, we want You're we're going to require them. a certain amount of this to be an input in there." Yeah, and that's a part of the Green New Deal conversation. Right? I think that's these are conversations that every community needs to have. They have their reasons. Um, I you know I, I've been on both sides. Uh, there's a kind of a similar issue going on in Shelby County right now. Um, Solar yeah. in Shelby County? Yeah. Um, I'm all they, over the place. I know. I see this. I'm like, wow. Uh, and I think that's uh, one of the one of their issues is that the, um, they've changed some ordinances, some local ordinances over there. Um, oh, they like to do it. Yeah. County commission just takes two votes. <laughs> all it takes. You got a new set of rules. They're, they're coming in January. And here. the community is just, they're up in arms. So. I try not to take sides. I, try, I stand there. I listen to the inform, I information. I try to hear what the local residents say. And it, as as amazing as it is, what works in Randolph County may not be exactly what they want in Henry County. So that's the reality is that as a congresswoman, mm-hmm. you would represent 19 counties. Right. 19 of Indiana's 92 counties to be in your district. And that a lot of times what happens at the federal level is you're incentivizing those companies, the, mm-hmm. the next eras and who are the who are the other boogeymen on the on the radar? Calpine, Calpine, and those companies try to locate in areas that have enough wind, and they come to Henry County, and then they've they've got their you know the, the didn't you guys the chase wall. them out of a few years ago? Yeah, was they're, that just they're, a couple of years ago. Uh, some people have said that wind is dead, and some people say no, it's not dead at all. So we're going to hit it. We're going to we're going to flip the dead horse over, and we're going to poke it with a stick a couple more times like to a, make sure. It's like a boogeyman. <laughs> It's just, it's it, we are forever scarred. It Wasn't is a great it? thing to campaign on. <laughs> I'm so, staying clearing it. I'm staring clear at that. And no, it, it, <laughs> for county issues. But the, that's the conversation, I guess, that I I think you're going to be faced with in the Green New Deal is energy yeah. policy, and are there going to be incentives coming from Congress mm-hmm. dealing with dealing with energy? And hey, we're going to promote this behavior, and you know, say yes, we like wind and solar, but no, we don't like coal or yeah, and isn't the, coal uh, clean, is coal cleaner than people give them credit for though? Uh, according I mean, to Dakota, coal, the emissions are darn near nothing. Well, it's not darn near ain't nothing, but yeah. it is a lot cleaner than what it was like in the seventies. Right. It's just, I mean, it's carbon. It, you're not going to have coal combusting power plants and even factories if they still exist. I don't know that <laughs> are a hundred percent clean. Right. Um, natural gas. Yeah, you're gonna. I mean, natural gas has barely any emissions that contribute to climate change, greenhouse gas effects. Uh, coal is getting a lot better. I think that in the future, we could if we if we continue to innovate on all fronts instead of focusing all energy on renewable sources. If we also went, how can we make this energy source better while right. it is still available to us? Then I think that we could the market could do a lot of good there because I think there would probably be a market for that. Uh, I mean, however, it's just, it's become a boogeyman, right? It's become a thing of coal. Just look at it. It's dirty. Every, if you touch it, it's gross. So it just, it's (laughs) it's just one of those things that I don't know if that stigma is ever going to be removed from the public's mind. But, you know, there's a lot of things that we could do to incentivize nuclear power expansion in the United States. It's safe. It's clean. It's effective. Natural gas, continuing to expand natural gas. Um, A lot of our energy production has been switching to natural gas. 
and it is a it's a good system and it's extremely clean and i think we would do well to continue ex- going down the road that we're on honestly so that's probably enough preaching from us mm-hmm. <laughs> we are we are getting to the point in the show where we're all going to turn into pumpkins and we've got to we got to start going home and editing and getting ready to be a part of the working economy because none of us have the job greg pence does where we get to just fly into north carolina and raise money for somebody <laughs> and then go go back to nap time so <laughs> Uh, I guess final thoughts are going to start. We'll go over to Zach. You got uh, got anything we need to talk about? Um, oh, as always, I'll push some L and K. Kate was here last week. I'm just trying to look up. I do have a gripe. I'm going to bring up is that um, daylight savings time? Oh my gosh. Strikes this weekend. Um, was sunset. It time for that already? Sunset on Sunday is going to be five. 37 in the afternoon. I'm going to say the afternoon because oh, the evening I love it. starts wow. at six. Love That's it. awful. Love it. I, I'm, I want I'm, it to be pitch black whenever I lay down in bed at 8 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is it's going to be pitch black. Like I'm, I'm thankful I'm still working from home. I was going to say, and, I, in the wintertime, right. I never see daylight and, at and, home. And, and right. the, yeah, and the problem yeah. is for, for those of us like that have jobs, and Dakota has a job, so I don't know why he would want this either. You leave I get off at 3. In the dark. It's daylight. you get home in the dark. Well, some of us have jobs with longer hours. And if I was and my workday starts at seven, so it's dark <laughs> whenever I'm at work now. We work the you same get hours. Up at three and go to work at seven. I, seven I, to three with no real. They take a lunch, but it's a fake lunch. Oh, it's, okay. it's a whole thing. <laughs> that's, that's, that's why it costs so much for your coal power. Plant I don't. I don't get. Them, I don't get my schedule too. Is seven to three, <laughs> and if, just five thirty-seven, and we're still a month, what seven weeks from the shortest day of the year, oh December, Christmas time. I'm I'm for fast time all year round. I don't know why we depress we just, ourselves. Yeah. I, I, if we're faking it for seven or eight months out of the year, the heck with it. Let's just go to fast time all year round. Never change our clocks and keep the hour in the evening where you can use it productively. I'm fine with it. It helped jobs. It helped the economy in the state of it'll, Indiana. It'll cut down. Mitch we're Daniels all depressed. knew what he was doing. Okay, we're all depressed as you can be over COVID <laughs> at this point. Anyway, we don't yeah. need we yeah. don't need a little bit more of the yeah, we, the, the the I would just the, like the winter say, blues because we're losing daylight. We don't need nuclear uh, in, enhanced seasonal affective disorder for everybody i might i'll tell you what if trump signed an executive order now that says we're not changing times and we're just fast time all through the winter i might consider i might consider voting that way just for that miracle there was talk of of doing that like there were some states that were saying one time they're they're saying nothing else to like 2020 has been rough enough. Yeah. Right. Not hit everybody with do? this because it is, if you have, let's see how much Dakota likes it with Jackson around. Cause guess who doesn't observe daylight savings time? <laughs> Children. Children. And, and dairy cows. I've heard dairy cows don't either. But yeah. yeah. The, the yeah. corn burns, it's the dairy cows, no good. If they can't yeah. read a clock or they don't care about clocks, it, then they don't care. It sounds like some of y'all just need to go to Australia for the winter time and Alaska for the summer. So you get, 20-hour days uh-huh. all year just, just long. Just pure sunlight. Just do the spring. Yeah. With this remote work thing, it probably could be done. Yeah. <laughs> I would have to, I couldn't drive to, can't, to, I can't drive through Canada to get there, so I'd have to fly to Alaska. Yeah. What was right. me? Janine, how do uh, people contact your campaign if they have any more questions? How do they donate money in these uh, in this last week? Okay. You know, you know, you might need it. Well, can I just get back really quickly to the daylight saving things and give you guys a tip as a, as a, as a housewife and a mother that, uh, you know, that you have that lag because, you know, the change or whatever. Always eat the night before and then the next day a couple of bananas. Did they tell you that? Mm-mm. You need some potassium because it's going to kind of mess with your body system. And so 
that's what I've heard. It makes it a little bit easier. A couple of bananas. Yeah. I don't know about the potassium. Anyways, so yeah, Janine Lee Lake for Congress.com. We also have our political pages on Facebook, which are Janine Lee Lake for Indiana. And then there's a politician, Janine Lee Lake. Um, I have a personal page that I had started by interns, I think in like just after my, uh, who was Mark Zuckerberg o- opened up the non-Harvard people. So I've had that uh, personal page for a really long time. I'm not going to get it, not getting rid of it, but it mixes uh, political, personal, faith, things like that. And that's just Janine Lee Lake. But the other ones are how you get in touch with me. Um, you can donate at the website, and we would love to uh, have anybody uh, join in and see what I've got. Um, did you work out all your campaign finance stuff, too, by the way? I, I got, did. You got some nasty letters from the oh Republicans. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I did. That was a whole thing, <laughs> Jeremiah. I tell you what. It made me realize that this time, when we end, we're not going to be broke because um, I spent, as a new candidate, I just spent every last dime that I had on whatever it is, advertising things for the for the uh, for the campaign, not realizing that I would still need an accountant to take care of the uh, the the FEC reports that I would have, and so I had to come out of my own money for that. I didn't have the money for that. I had two kids in college, and so I just kind of thought, eh, we'll get to them, we'll get to them. I'm not even sure I'm going to run in 2020. <laughs> well. You know, even though I was among tens of thousands of candidates across the country, even admitted by uh, the local GOP chair, Victor Whitehead, that were late in my FEC reports. They took it upon themselves to file that complaint. So I kind of did it to myself. I wish I hadn't. We haven't been late since then. We've been uh, filing regularly. And this time uh, we have saved some money back to be able to take care of those. Does uh, the... the Tax office of Tom Firkinoff offer uh, offer closing <laughs> campaign <laughs> services. I, I try to stay away from FEC. <laughs> yeah, you live and you learn. It's the first time a campaign person, but I always say this: make sure everybody knows. Delay does not mean impropriety. Delay just meant I was late. No, no dings. No no impropriety. It was fine. We got it taken care of. Very good. Anything else? Volunteers, y'all putting out more signs or anything else that's going on? We're done. We're done, done with the out. signs. Yeah, we're done with the signs. You know, we're, I've got some, you know, I'm, be, I'm going to be spending election day. I'm going to start, I think, in Columbus, head up to Wayne County, head here for a little bit, and then I'm going to end the day in uh, Delaware County uh, at my house. And so we're going to have a victory party. We're going to celebrate um, just the campaign and just the idea, you know, we we put everything we possibly can forth for this 2020 event. Um, if there's ever a time that I think that the 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 the, the mantle can be uh, demant, I guess brought down uh, the Pence name. I think this might be the year because I think uh, I think Mikey's going home. 1992 is the last time that this area had a Democrat in Congress. It's been Phil Sharp. Phil Sharp. It's been it's been a minute. Uh, I think the and have we ever had a woman in this district? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I I'm quite certain we have not. Yeah, I'm quite certain. <laughs> I'm thinking. You know what? I feel like not only is it time for that, but uh, it's time to make history. I'm ready for it. All right, Tom. If we elect the very first Libertarian, how's it happen? Where, what's your schedule on one election day? Where, where, Wayne County? Are you working? I think, well, last year for the whole um, early voting period and election day, I mean, we had people, myself included, going around to poll places around the district. I mean, I was in about five different counties on election day last year. Um, you know, this year with COVID, 
people don't want somebody trying to hand them something <laughs> right. um, or getting close to them to have a conversation with them. Um, I've, I've actually got a meeting for a big project down in Cincinnati I was called in on that's people are coming from a couple different states, business owners on election day. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll be in a business meeting on election day this year. Doing the work of the people. Uh, doing, yeah. Do, doing the work of helping those businesses recover from COVID to put together a plan to keep their employees working. And that, that, that's really been, you know, a lot of what I've been doing for the last four or five months is, you know, helping. You said this, is, this to, has been one of your busiest summers and it's mostly been in COVID, response to COVID. It, it, yeah, definitely. It's been the, the business consulting side of it has just been 10 hours a day. Crazy. How do people get to get more information on the campaign? Any, any of that? Uh, they can go to my Facebook page, Furkenhoff for Congress. Go to the website, Furkenhoff2018.com. Um, I specifically did that so I have to remind myself of you know, if I keep doing this when it originally started and how long <laughs> I've been doing this. Um, and then we'd actually kind of looked at changing it this summer. And then like when it's like, okay, there's no events to go to. There's no parades to go to. There's no that. It's like we're not going to. Maybe in 22, it'll be for Kernoff 22. We don't know yet. Like, like, maybe, <laughs> or we'll just keep it so we'll see how long we've been been trying to slay this dragon. He's just a huge Kyle Bush mm-hmm. fan is what yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the 20 and the 18. It's just all Joe Gibbs racing. All right, Dakota, you got final thoughts for me? Yep. Uh, I want you to go to my wife's uh, page and buy some tumblers from her, custom tumblers. She can make a Tom Furkenhoff for Congress tumbler. Nice. She can make a Janine Lee Lake one. She can do anything that you want. Um, she does a great job. And then also... The Dainty I, Daisy the on Dain- Facebook. Oh, yeah. I, I forget to mention the page. I'll help. Oops. And then also, um, I go on to my Facebook page, um, and I have some things that I've been working on, and it's going to be really interesting, but I'm going to keep it a secret, and so you just have to keep an eye out. All right. Uh, for me, real quick, I think Thursday next week we're going to uh, we're going to do a host show. We're going to do a little election recap and uh, decompress, see what happens. See, we're see. going to talk about how the election results are still not in yet. <laughs> we'll see what happens. And our, <laughs> right. see if, our republic is in chaos. <laughs> we're going to see if we're going to send in uh, send in Mr. Firkin off to Washington. See if we're sending Janine to Washington. See if Don Rainwater is going to be elected governor. Uh, I'll be on the other side of the building over here on Tuesday night. We're having a, a victory party. I don't know what we're celebrating yet, but it's a, some, some sort of a celebra- election night celebration uh, at eleven oh two race. Just with the campaign ads in, that's a victory enough. It's it's done. <laughs> we're celebrating. We're moving on. No, no, I, more, no more sparks and hail ads. I, I have, so I worked from home uh, yesterday, and my uh, my lovely bride and I watched the Channel Thirteen News, and I was shocked. Shocked at the lunch news that every single commercial I could, I was so wishing to see an Andy Moore ad uh, and and something to tell me to go buy something from John Phillips. And, and instead it was just hail and sparks, hail and sparks. And then there was uh, Ruckelhaus has got the ghost of Dick Luger doing ads for him now. And uh, I'm pretty sure that Wines Apple and Rokita are both horrible people. Everybody's Bobby Newport this year. That's what I learned on the Channel 13. Bobby that might, Newport. That might be the pickup we need after daylight savings time is you get like a down 48 hours and then the campaign <laughs> ads stop and all of a sudden you're like, the sun comes out. It's just like, oh. The birds are chirping again. I can't wait yet to see it anymore. Just can I get one Don's gun back, please? <laughs> I, 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 I'm Where's so Bob hard. Borman when you need I, him? I, well, rest in peace. Uh, rest it's, in peace. Bob Borman. It, I, I don't normally see these ads, but for whatever reason, we turned the news on, and it was like, 
bombarded. It was the oh, it, I I had no immunity to it. It was there. I didn't have any scabs preventing me from just the full onrush of the political ads. I don't so, watch anything. It's not on the DVR anymore. Yeah, that's, that's what I am. It was just the magic of, of turning it on and, and seeing it. I was like, oh, my God. What do you guys make of, of, of Congressman Pence uh, having all these television ads? I think he's scared. I think he is. He's running scared. Hell, he's campaigning in Hamilton County, and I don't, I'm still trying to figure that <laughs> one Rush, out. In Rushville. I, just, I think that's bizarre. <laughs> but maybe, I mean, he's got the money, but it's still, you know, he kept the money last time. He's not keeping the money this time. Well, he's ready to serve again. All right. <laughs> is he? <laughs> or just... Okay, we'll leave it at that. I, I have a, uh, a, fun, a fun thing that I got. I, so one of the many, 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 we're in the Weird Libertarians Network. There's a thousand group chats that run all of this. And one of the group chats, there's a, there's a very nice uh, anarchist named Trisha Stewart Mann. Uh, and she got rejected from three different Facebook groups that were for crockpot recipes. <laughs> she could not get admitted to a crockpot res- group Facebook group to oh, save her life. She just wanted to make so she she made her own ribs. So she made her own, and it is the anarchist crockpot group. There's about a hundred people in there now, and my my wonderful wife is taking it seriously, and it's worked out nicely because I had a great pot roast tonight. Mm. I've just used it as an opportunity to make jokes. Jeremiah is not taking it seriously. <laughs> I was trying to figure. I was like, he invited. Me. I was like, what is this? And then the first thing I see is him asking if it's okay or not to use a crockpot liner. And if, if that's if like, you're a Catholic, yeah, I don't Catholic, know. Can you use a crockpot? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was oh like, my goodness! So this is what we're doing. But I see some real posts, and they're posting like serious stuff. I'm like, oh, okay, it's just Jeremiah. <laughs> Jeremiah, right? And I'd heard about the person being rejected, but I hadn't put them together as to why I was in it. That's why that Facebook group exists. An anarchist crockpot group. Yes. I want to be a part of the anarchist. I will add you oh, in. Please, do. I hope you can get through I'm these people. So in there. The recipes are good. But then there's also some people that are just there for the shock value. That's all right. Welcome to the internet. It. I'll be your guide. But check out Trisha's shock, uh, crockpot group. I will add Janine tonight. Please do. Oh, uh, we will see you all next week. And somebody's going to be a congressman. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Boss Hog of Liberty, which is part of the We Are Libertarians Network. I am Chris Spangle, and I am the founder of this network. And I invite you to listen to all of our shows, which you can find at wearelibertarians.com or by searching for these in your podcatcher. The flagship show is the We Are Libertarians podcast, where we apply libertarian principles to current events. The Brian Nichols Show is a conversation amongst Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Independents, as they talk about what is happening in the news. And we have many other podcasts like The Chris Spangle Show, Upward, The Cost, Raw Audio Politics, Miranda's World, and Tad Talk, which is quite a ride. So check all of these out. Go to WeAreLibertarians.com and you can check out all of our great podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Get our other shows at WeAreLibertarians.com.